0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Peace be seated. Last week, we reflected how the Lord wants to use the church as his instrument to invite people into his kingdom to join in the marriage feast he is preparing in heaven. We reflected how to be the Lord's instrument means that he works through us, broken and unworthy as we are. Last week, these words of Teresa of Avila, a Spanish nun and mystic of the 16th century, were mentioned in this connection. She wrote, Christ has no body now but yours, no hands no feet on earth but yours yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world yours are the feet with which he walks to do good yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world yours are the hands yours are the feet yours are the eyes you are his body Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. These words speak of a very tall order, to say the least my eyes my hands my feet my heart my life how can god use me the sinner that i am to bless this hurting world it's a little overwhelming to even think about well there are two responses to this that need our immediate attention or at least let's consider two First, as the Almighty Father, God can make use of anything, anybody, or any circumstance. That is the truth, because He created this planet out of nothing, and through His Son, He conquered the powers of death. So, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Every corner is accessible to Him. And every detail is known to him. And therefore, he can use you and me as his instruments to bless the world. The second response requires a little more thought. Actually, not thought, it requires faith. The second response is this God works from within. I would like to say that again. The Lord will use us as his instruments by working within. This point is emphasized multiple times by M.F. Sadler, a priest of the Church of England in the 19th century. He said, he, the very life, comes within by his spirit. He's talking about something real, a spiritual reality. And we know this. We believe this. But he's talking about this in a very personal way. He's talking about the new life in which the Holy Spirit comes and brings to us. This is so simple that we can easily forget it. The spirit of life works from within. He begins with the inside, with the soul. He wants to move in our hearts in order to impact the outside. Maybe the heart is the way to think about this. As children go into vacation Bible schools, I remember the emphasis was always about inviting the Lord Jesus into my heart. And as adults, it's easy to forget this personal part. The Lord works from within, by His Spirit. This simple point fits with what Jesus said when He was being questioned by Pontius Pilate. The night before he was to be crucified, or the day that he was to be crucified, Pilate asked Jesus if he was the king of the Jews. And Jesus replied, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of God is not from the world, it's different, radically different. It does not depend on the world's way of doing things. God's kingdom is not limited to time and space like the world. It's not subject to human desires and popular opinion like the governments of the world. God's kingdom does not require a healthy economy to thrive. It comes from within. By the power of and work of the Holy Spirit. The manger in Bethlehem and the cross at Calvary are signs of this interior eternal kingdom. You see, in the world, these are signs of poverty, weakness, And defeat. But in God's kingdom, they speak about the power of His love and the greatness of His wisdom. Nevertheless, as fallen human beings, we are easily tempted to forget that God works from within. St. John put it this way He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And yet, even though he shows us daily the mysteries and secrets of his work, we are quickly distracted by what is material and temporary. To say that God works from within means that the Holy Spirit is constantly active. He's prompting us, inspiring us, reminding us and shaping us He's at work sanctifying and strengthening our wills so that we may follow the Lord Jesus faithfully. So that we may keep our baptismal vows saying yes to him and no to the world, the flesh, and the devil. That we might be consistent in the new life. But here's the thing. Just because the Spirit himself is invisible to us, the evidence of his work should not be invisible. People should be able to tell that Christians are different. They should see that there's something peculiar about that lady or that man. Because there is something different. The Lord God Almighty is living in us. And the new life, the resurrection life of Christ, is now ours. And this new life has definite characteristics and qualities, which Jesus presents today in nine statements, or Beatitudes. Beatitude coming from the Latin, blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he said, for theirs is the kingdom of God. God. Mark Ross, a Presbyterian minister, explains that these nine Beatitudes are actually characteristics or features of the family of God. He says, like members of one tribe or family, descended from one father, they share common features. And these nine speak to that. So how can God use me, the sinner that I am, to bless this hurting world? And how is it possible that the church, internally divided as she is, and mostly dismissed by the world as she is, how is it possible that the church can be the hands and feet of Christ, Again, the answer, the Lord who is our life comes within by His Spirit to make it possible. Think of this for a minute as we move into the next step or thought in this sermon. Think of this. Picture yourself in your kitchen, if you would or picture yourself in your chair in the living room or sitting at your desk or driving your car. Picture yourself outdoors raking leaves or going for a walk around your block. And now try and visualize the Lord Jesus beside you. There he is with you doing the dishes. There he is with you in the the other chair. There he is beside you at your desk and on your walk. He is that close. Actually, he's even closer because he lives within you by his spirit. Incredibly, the living God has united us to himself by coming to dwell in us. His kingdom is from within. His spirit comes within to bring the new life of the risen Christ to you and me. This faith in God's love and activity, this faith in his presence with us and within us, is a characteristic or a common feature of the saints, of the family of God. The saints, the capital S saints, and the small s saints, like us, believe that they belong to God and that he is with them no matter what comes. To speak of belonging is to speak about identity. You and I have been made the children of God. That is core or central to who we are. And as the children of God there are common features that we share because of his Holy Spirit who works within. The faith that we belong to God and that he's with us no matter what happens flows from an understanding that we need the Lord, that we cannot do anything good on our own. And this is what Jesus is talking about in today's gospel. He identified poverty of spirit as a necessity to living a new life of the spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, he said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about being poor. With a bad bank account, or poor with a leaky roof, or poor with a muffler that needs repair. He's talking about inner poverty. It doesn't sound very good, does it? But remember, the kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of this world. Poverty of spirit is the soul realizing its need, its destitution, and its weakness, and its sin. And the soul must do this before it can earnestly apply to God for the supply of its needs. To be poor in spirit is the first step. It's reaching out to say, Lord, help me. I need you. To be poor in spirit means turning away from self toward God and trusting him as the source and the end of my life and my happiness. In the midst of all the pressures, accidents, disappointments, and failures that will come this week, and in spite of all the contradictions presented by the world this week, The poor in spirit say, I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in Him to be my refuge and strong rock. This resolution is key because it engages my will. It calls my will from its selfish place be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. When I acknowledge my need and put up my hand and take the Lord's hand, I let go of all my desire to leverage or to influence or to network to gain some kind of comfort or control. I let it all go and say, Take me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Here I am. Hands and feet of Christ. At that point, poor in spirit, we can be used by the Lord to bless the world. At that point, we are praying, meaning what we've learned to pray since we were kids Thy will be done. In focusing on this first beatitude, I'm not ignoring the others, and I'm not suggesting that it's the only beatitude, not at all. But as the first one given by the Lord, it is key or foundational to the others. And in fact, most of the others are in the future. Blessed are the meek, for they shall. This one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we desire to be the hands and feet of Christ, and if we want to be truly happy, satisfied, We must admit our limitations and our need. We must be poor in spirit. There's no point in pretending. That's the world's modus operandi. Pretend to be happy. Pretend to be content. As Christians, we're done pretending. We can be authentic and honest and simply lay it all on the table, confessing our need to the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. This is a feature of the lives of the saints, to be poor in spirit. And it is only when we begin to open our hearts to this poverty of spirit, to our need, that the church can begin to bless the world. A closing thought. The anxiety, the epidemic of anxiety within our culture today should not be confused with the poverty of spirit in today's gospel. The anxiety of the world is a symptom of despair. It's a reaction to a loss of hope. It's like being anchorless. It stems from a lack of direction or conviction. We feel a need to be perfect, a pressure to perform, but we don't know, but we know that we cannot deliver this perfection. We can't live up to the expectation that's been imposed upon us, or that we feel it is upon us. When the gospel speaks of being poor in spirit, it means being poor in spirit with the Lord Jesus. Not trying to figure something out on our own and saying, poor me. It means confessing my need, but being confident That the Lord can take that confession and that need and transform it. It's a confidence that he is at work within me by his spirit. joy filled life today's lesson is from the book of Revelation and it shows us the, the heavenly vision with this great multitude that's comprised of people from all nations kindreds peoples and tongues they're all standing before the God's throne clothed in white robes and they're standing before the Lord Jesus, who is the Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb who shed his blood that we may live. And that multitude, which cannot be numbered or counted, has a common membership, a common feature. And that crowd is there because they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They are around God's throne in heaven not because of something they have done but because of what God has done through Christ at Calvary. Those within that heavenly multitude are there because they are poor in spirit. May it be so of you and me also. Now unto God Almighty, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be ascribed all night, majesty, dominion, power, honor, and glory, as is most justly due.